Welcome to Know Your Audience, a marketing mini-cast that explores how knowing an audience can unlock greater insight. In this episode, we talk about how we take everything we've spoken about so far and start applying it to the here and now. Paul walks us through how good data leads to more clear observations and ultimately better ideas that we can apply to the audience and ultimately sell more. This has all been about audience first. Yeah. And getting to understand our audience better, then moving into our products and and beyond. So if we're thinking about audience first and an audience first mentality in our planning phases, where do we start and what does that mean? There's a, there's a thing here I just want to say as well that this isn't just about data. A great idea is what drives successful marketing campaigns always. Sometimes we can get lost in data. You know, we get we get into a position where we, we rely on numbers to drive, mm, but I mean, the numbers say that we should do this, so just litter this, you know, with this certain type of we, copy, every, for example. Everyone's heard that right now. I mean, that's what that's what happens so often. And, I, and I, I love the fact that you're pointing out that this is a danger to not fall into the trap of saying, well, we've got now we've suddenly got all this data. That's going to tell us what to do you still need to have a great idea. Yeah, yeah. And creativity and nuance is, is always required to develop business moving ideas, products or, or whatever. But where the data does step in is the observations. And, and this is really what I want to stress is that data is an observational tool that then thinking needs to be applied to, to better understand how you apply that data to real life, create the insight that perhaps then relates, is able, somebody who's creative can then come up with a great idea rests on that insight, that problem that you've discovered or the opportunity or, or whatever from the data. And to do that, you really need to uh, you really need that knowledge of, of an audience or you could even replace the word audience with potential customer or, or consumer. Do you know what I mean? Like you, yeah. can, you can remove that word. Why, why it's better to use audience is because you tend to think a lot larger with an audience, that you've got people with different, different tastes, different beings, different backgrounds etc when you start to think about your own consumer or customer you start to get psychographics come into your mind as a marketer which means you're then applying a bias well we're really targeting this audience you know and this is what it is and that's it or, or this this type of consumer when in actual fact you might be missing a big segment of information so that's why we talk about audience but basically the research that we can we're talking about here relies on data at the very early stage you start to understand patterns of behavior you understand that you know a couple of episodes ago we talked about system one system two thinking we're really looking in on the system one stuff and and really what it is is it enables us to eliminate bias of understanding who that person is by using we've discussed before keywords and all that sort of stuff so basically what we need you then need to start thinking about once you've got the data right so the patterns of behavior like things like or oh, what are they interested in what are they doing what's the type of content what are they engaging with all that sort of thing it really comes down to three pillars that helps you plan that and it's the things that the audience cares about from the signals that you've watched it's the things that they do on a daily basis to those two things overlay from each other and then their personality traits and, and how we can better understand that audience and identifying those pillars means that basically you you're able to give a better brief to people who have to implement something whether that's research at the top end of the scale or, or the back end or it's to a creative to come up with a campaign idea or it's a media planner 
or something like that who's deciding where the money's going to get spent to help reach that audience. That depth of knowledge helps everybody do a job in marketing, particularly that makes whatever the message that is that you want to convey resonate more deeply with an audience. So I, I could end up having a much richer brief because I've got a much broader set of data points to help inform my thinking about my idea. Yeah, and coming at this, yes, exactly, and, and coming at this from this ambient feedback methodology we talked about in an episode earlier is about observing when you do that, you're applying a certain degree of empathy. You're understanding them a lot better. You're able to, to almost feel or understand their situation a lot better. And that's the key to making data work really strategically. So a problem often is that data is looked at from a purely quantitative point of view and not necessarily applying qualitative frameworks over the top of quantitative data. So you, you're not necessarily, you know, well, 10% of people think this you know 44 percent of it well you can't be wrong you know but actually what's driving that how do we understand what might be behind that 45 percent can we what can we understand a lot better how can we understand this person's day and day or situation or time of year or decision making cycle that can make it so that we in a sense almost know the audience better than themselves i you know what i find interesting is the terms observe and observing and based on everything that we've talked about so far what makes this whole audience first way of thinking using ambient data and and ambient sent get an ambient sense from of our our audience is that it's observing that audience as opposed to having observed the audience in one point, which tends to be what typically happens with our marketing. But yeah. now we're observing them and going back to what we talked about before, we're getting an ongoing set of data yeah. to and think with. Because everybody's context changes, right? Like things change around how the environment. So, and I think everybody in recent, who has a very recent memory anyway, who's listening to this, knows what happened in 2020 and, and the upheaval that happened in the sense of everybody's context changed for a really long period of time. And when we're, as we're recording this, it's still changed. That gives a great knowledge background to this because you can start to think about, well, okay, yes, context changes, but how does patterns of behavior, how does that change? Do we go back to normal and all that sort of thing? And really understanding that constant way of under, understanding things like sort of constantly updating what's happening and all that sort of thing gives you just a greater and richer stream of understanding and predictability about the future where also you've got to be careful about basing future assumptions on past behavior obviously it's, it's a worst indicator <laughs> of what's going to happen in the future but it helps you predict it you know you can start to use artificial intelligence and things like that to better understand what someone might be doing you know in that future state and I think the important difference is because I think out there as well, people are like, yeah, but we, we do this with, with social listening, for example. There's challenges with social listening because it's built for bias. It's a bit like the Google search. Pump something into Google about the answer I want to find. It's the same thing in social listening. You, you're relying on keywords to sort of state. Uh, best example I could think of would be something that people don't necessarily talk about in their day-to-day -day life. Breakfast cereal. <laughs> just not talked about you know <laughs> or a brand name 90 
8% of brand names are just not discussed. Um, you don't necessarily, you, you just talk about the water or having a juice. You don't necessarily say the brand of the juice that you're drinking, unless it's one of those sort of category synonymous. Nutella is a good example where you wouldn't necessarily say a chocolate hazelnut spread, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Nutella. Exactly. And then the other substitutes for Nutella are also Nutella. You know, it happens in tech, obviously, a lot because Google, etc. you know. But I think that's the if best. I'm, if I'm having a cranberry juice, I'm not going to necessarily talk about the brand. I'm just going to go, yeah, I'd like some cranberry juice. Yeah, or orange juice. Yeah, yeah. or most products, yeah. like some cheese. Yeah. I'm not going to say, give, give me a glass of Minute Maid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> give me a glass of orange juice. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, and the brand's role in that is reinforce, you know, quality element and price and all mm. that sort of stuff. But if you've put that, if you've put Minute Maid, into into a social listening tool, for example, and you're only going to get results about Minute Maid, first of all, which I wouldn't imagine would be very significant. And the ones that are there are likely to be whenever somebody talks about something in a category like that, it's negative. So you're probably getting a skewed set of results mm. back to you. Yeah, so you so can that doesn't a lead, crisis. That does not lead to good planning for my beverage sales yeah and so if you're looking at yeah and and if you or if you're just typing in juice i mean juice might be something that someone mentions that might be not a great example but there are other things on other platforms that have limitations where you might not necessarily you're not getting the right results basically and mm. and, and it's because you've had to enter a series of keywords to find what you're looking for so it's reinforcing whatever it's, you're looking for confirmation if you want so if you're doing research you're saying well people use you know use of baking powder or something, I don't know, self-raising flour, you know, whatever it is. You're looking for, rather than looking for the context, and the cereal one's a great example because the occasion of breakfast is an important one for a lot of people. And what they do in that occasion, are they busy, are they school, are they, are they you know, is there a peak in social media usage during a breakfast time of day? You know, all that sort of stuff you will miss if you just look for cereal or, or the word even breakfast because not necessarily everyone talks about breakfast. Something happens in that occasion but not necessarily breakfast or a better example for that would be lunch. A lot of people might say, what are you having for lunch, etc." but they don't necessarily talk about lunch. It's what they're eating, you know, a great sandwich or, you know all that type of thing. So understanding the context can be challenging with these sort of more always-on tools like social listening and things like that. It can, it can really reinforce biases and things. So being able to sort of look at instead behavior of an audience and what happens around them becomes way more important, but also way, a lot more useful in the long run. The takeaway from this episode is that there are all sorts of tools available to help us make sense of audiences today. But if we're not thinking in terms of audience behavior, when we talk about data, observation, and application, we're ignoring a very fertile area that can inform our thinking and ultimately product deployment and promotion. You can get in touch with me across the socials at the JamesCast or james at thejamescast.com. And get in touch with me, Paul, through d-a.co or otherwise email me at paul.kelly at d-a.co. Thanks for listening.